me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Two Upfront, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Hello, Simon. How are you doing? Baxter, I'm doing all right. I'm feeling better this week, I'll tell you that. You sound a lot better. I love those antibiotics and how quickly they can work. (laughs) (laughs) Modern medicine is a beautiful thing most days. How about yourself? How about yourself, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A little uh, little disheartened, honestly, about uh, my revolution, but uh, we'll talk about that later on in the show. But other than that, though, it was good. Uh, The in-laws came and visited for the weekend, so that was a good time. Got to see them for a little bit and uh just kind of hung out. Yeah, and of course, we had a great thing on the weekend. Yes. We got to do the uh, streaming, the live streaming broadcast for the Milwaukee Torrent. You were the play-by-play guy, and I was the color commentary. Yes, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the Torrent and the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay drew 0-0 uh, in a 2.35-minute half preseason friendly game. Uh, good turnout, too, from the fans, even though it was a cold, nasty kind of spring, quote-unquote, spring day there. Spring day with sprinkles in it. Oh, it was man. raining. Thankfully it was 48 we were in the degrees. Booth. I was cold in the booth, though, Simon. If I, you're in yeah. the booth and you're still cold, that that says a little bit of what the weather's like outside. Yeah, so kudos to those uh, 320, 325 yeah, fans that, that ended up great. showing up for a preseason NPSL friendly between, mm-hmm. uh, again, the Torrent and University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Yeah, we're going to be on the call a couple more times this season as well for all five of the uh, home games as well. I think I'll be gone for one of them, and you'll be gone for another one as well. But uh, we'll be there in some way, shape, or right. form. So if you haven't checked out the Milwaukee Torrent yet, go and catch them. They've got some upcoming friendlies as well the, every Saturday now for the rest of May, aside from the Memorial Day weekend once. So go check them out and uh, take in some nice professional soccer here in the Milwaukee area. We also appreciate you guys tuning in to us as well, though. Remember, you can find us here on Fridays on Sports Radio America from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also get us on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. You can also find us on Facebook, 2 Upfront. On Twitter, we are at 2 Upfront Soccer. And let me just say, it was nice getting a lot of love this weekend, being on the uh, broadcast team for the mm-hmm. Torrent, but we also had uh, Western New York Flash respond to some of our tweets. Yeah, and, Houston uh, you know, Dash was really helpful. Exactly. Um, what, what am I missing here? Facebook, Twitter, email us at 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. A little bit of exciting news for us. Thanks to our sponsorship with shopfutsal.com, 2upfront is now also a 
an LLC. Yes. So yes, we are we officially are. A, a, a like in the minds of the federal government. We Baxter, exist. We are. We have made it. <laughs> they can now officially track everything we do. That's which right. is a little scary, but uh, we're excited about that. And if you ever want to get a hold of the show, you can find us on social media, like Simon said, or you can also email us at twoupfrontsoccer at gmail.com as well. Coming up later on in the program, we'll be joined by West or by in our women's soccer spotlight by Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly. He was a lot of fun to chat with. And then also in our next segment, we'll be joined by Bethlehem Steel FC captain Ryan Richter as well. So two exciting interviews for you here on this edition of Two Up Front. And of course, Bethlehem Steel FC is the uh, development squad or reserve squad yes, USL for Philadelphia side. Union. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, uh, speaking of squads, Simon, the U.S. have released their uh, provisional 40-man roster for the upcoming Copa America Centenario starting in June and July and all that stuff there. The, the big tournament, the 100th anniversary of it, Jurgen Klinsmann has named his 40 guys that he will consider. They've got a couple friendlies going on as well between now and uh, when camp, well, camp opens May 16th. And they have, uh, an, they've got a preseason friendly, I believe, with uh, Puerto Rico is who they will be taking on, which is kind of random. but It is a bit random. It's one of those where uh, I, I kind of feel like maybe U.S. soccer is trying to help Puerto Rico out because I know their federation is in some major debt. Yeah, but, uh, it might be more of a, hey, we're, uh, you're kind of part of America, but not. But the, th- the thing you worry about is playing a team like that, and well, any team really, but... Well, let's face it. Puerto Rico is like 150th, 151st yeah. ranked in the in the so world. So I'm confused on how they're going to help when they have right. to take on Colombia. And then you risk June those 30. injuries as well that may happen in a game exactly. like that. Because uh, you know, those... a less experienced team might be more sloppy and might hurt a few guys, right. like you mentioned. And, and Puerto Rico just did get a USL team, so again, you wonder: well, is this U.S. Soccer's way of helping them out, or? Is there something there that Klinsman sees of value to play a team like Puerto Rico? Mm. And you know, I mean, we've seen we've seen the likes of Spain play these CONCACAF sure. uh, island teams. But even a team like Haiti or a team like, um, well, obviously Costa Rica, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, sure. there's a little bit more value in those teams. So yeah, just, well, Puerto Rico is not a part of the the Copa America. Officially, right. Yeah. Yes, well, right. They're not yeah. a part of Copa so they're America. they're not a part of that. So I think that's probably why they wanted to. They didn't want to go to England or Europe or any of those things and play a team over there. They wanted to just probably deal with a, a closer-to-home team. Well, and you wonder, too, is it is it more of a, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hotter down there. Maybe it helps mm-hmm. get the players in shape a little bit. Well, they all should be in shape by this point. Hopefully. But, but maybe expand their lungs even a little bit more on those hot temperatures. Well, one thing I've heard about it, too, is some folks are saying, well, this might be a good vetting process for some of the younger guys that aren't, That's true. aren't used to playing in this you know, kind of hostile conditions. I don't know how hostile Puerto Rico will be, especially with it being friendly, but you talk about, you know, anytime you have to go through the hex going down to Guatemala, going down to even Azteca sometimes, that's pretty crazy. I know Puerto Rico won't be like that officially, but the field won't be as nice. They can, the stadium won't be as nice. The fans are probably going to be a little ruthless a little bit because, oh, down with America a little bit, you know, when it comes to soccer at times. But Although Puerto Rico, you know, depends on America quite a bit since they are uh, almost the 51st state. <laughs> like I said. Anyway, so it's interesting, though. Looking at this roster, Simon, you've got 40 total people so far. Let's look at all the positions really fast. So goalkeepers, you've got David Bingham, Brad Guzan, Tim Howard, Ethan Horvath, and Nick Romando are the five that are being considered. We know that they're going to take three, even though it really is kind of pointless, but we know they have to. They have to take three, even though I think you and I both share It's like, just take two goalies. You don't need three Yeah, goalies. you wish you could. You don't really need to use those spots. At the same time, this this is a good time that, you know, Howard's on his way out here. He's not going to be with the national team much longer. No. Uh, Guzan, you kind of wonder. I'm assuming he'll start. He may start, but he's. You've, you've always we've always kind of seen him as the heir apparent, but... 
he doesn't seem to be as apparent anymore to be that starting Especially keeper with after Aston Villa right now and how poorly they're playing. Exactly, and, and granted, he doesn't have that great of a defense, but yes. even more on the positive side, you see how well Bingham is playing for the Earthquakes. Horvath mm-hmm. he has been a very strong keeper, not only in Norway, but when he is suited up for the yes. uh, U23s for the U.S. Uh, men's side. Um, and you look at Nick Romando. I think he's there more than anything for veteran leadership. At Same, this I point. think with him and Tim Howard, too, you kind of got to look at both of them and say, all right, we're only going to use one of you for veteran leadership. Nothing against Nick, nothing against Tim, but you only really need one of those guys, right. I feel like. Because you need to look at, at the end of the day, who do we want in goal? If Lionel Messi's racing down at our goal, obviously, really, even we've seen even guys like Manuel Neuer who can't even stop Lionel Messi, the best goalie in the world. But who do we want in goal trying to defend Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, Jaime Rodriguez? Do you want a guy like Ethan Horvath, who has never really played in this big of a competition before? Right. Maybe he would rise to the occasion. You don't know. Or do we want a guy like Brad Guzan, who has got the higher level worth of experience right. starting between the posts right now? Yeah, and I think I think uh, won't be surprised here in the next few weeks if we hear about Guzan being transferred to a uh, premiership side now that Asta Villa has officially been relegated yeah. down to the championship. Um yeah, so you do want to you do want an experienced player in there. Whether Messi comes and plays for Argentina, we still don't really know. There's there's been talk about yeah. him not joining up with the well, team. Well, Neymar is not playing for Brazil anymore, so now they're the big name that they're promoting is Thiago Silva. They're like, right. come see Neymar, ah, <laughs> uh, come see Thiago Silva because Neymar is going to go play for the Olympics. And I was thinking about this the other day too. It's why would you miss out on the hundredth anniversary of a you know an international tournament? But at the same time, it makes sense because the Olympics are in Brazil. Well, and true, and also, you know, this is the 100th anniversary. Some players are still looking at it as really not the official Copa America because it is a special edition. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, with, you know, it's not following the regular schedule. It's not following the regular calendar, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons it was okay to have it in the U.S. Yeah. Were the Olympics, that's the official tournament. That's the real deal. That's a big deal. And why would you not want to have the symbol of Brazilian soccer right now not represent his country? Right. You know, will Brazil run away with the World Cup or the uh, Olympics? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how well uh, other teams that are going there are going to play. But if I had to pick a team of the U23 guys, Brazil's probably going to be one of the better teams there, especially with Neymar running around. They are. And I think it's, I think it's one of the only competitions they have yet to win. I don't believe Brazil has actually... Gotten a gold medal in the Olympics. Interesting. Well, well, I'm going to look that up real quick. look that up, yeah. Let's look over at the defenders now. A lot of defenders being called into camp here. Uh, Kellen Acosta, Ventura Alvarado, Matt Beisler, Steve, uh, yeah, Steve Birnbaum, John Brooks, Jeff Cameron, Edgar Castillo, Timmy Chandler, Brad Evans, Omar Gonzalez, Eric Lejak, Matt Miazga, Michael Arusco, Tim Ream, and DeAndre Yedlin. So a very big uh, crop of defenders being called in. A uh, good amount of center backs being called in for this one. I know you're really excited about Ventura Alvarado, Simon. Uh, he is a two-time CONCACAF Champions League champion, though, with Club America. He is. I, and I, he's played well recently for it, them. He has. And to me, he's he's kind of like somebody else would talk about, a, a Wondolowski type, yeah. in that for their club, fantastic. Yep. But when it gets to the national team... For some reason, doesn't it just over. doesn't click. I agree with you. Steve Birnbaum is one guy I feel like that needs to be on this roster. He's played a couple of friendlies with the U.S. so far, and he's looked really good. And he's really one of the the sole pieces of the D.C. United defense as well right now. That's looked good. Yeah, D.C. If there's there's one bright spot on uh, 
DC United. It definitely is some of their defenders. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can't argue with John Brooks. It's nice to see him back there. A couple of names missing. Breck Shea's had a decent season in MLS, but again, him too, when he's been up with the national team, hasn't done hasn't much. done that great. I uh, think that was a smart move, leaving him off. Chris Tierney is still injured, so we're, we're not going to see nope. him. Um, Unfortunately. But I do want to see Jorge Villafania, not just because mm-hmm. he's a former Timbers, but I he, listen, he's starting in Mexico. Um, he's doing a great job down there. So if you're going to be bringing in guys like uh, Eric Lichet from Nottingham Forest or a uh, Orozaco uh, from Club Tijuana, why not give Villafania that an opportunity true. here? He's been playing great ever since the playoffs last year in MLS. I would agree with you on that one. I mean, you look at some of these other guys. DeAndre Yedlin, he will be on this roster, barring some major injury. And um, let me just say, it's great to see him. On the, on the defense, yes, yes. That was a lot of reviews that I've heard about this roster so far. Everyone is praising Jurgen Klinsmann. Be like, he got it right, yes. finally. <laughs> he'll probably start at center back, but hey, he'll, he'll get to play. No, hopefully not. But uh, Matt Miazga, I'm assuming he'll be there as well. He's a I young, talented so. center back. Uh, he's proven that he can get up and score if he needs to. Edgar Castillo, unfortunately, probably will play that left back spot against my better will and better liking, unfortunately, unless Timmy Chandler decides to play left back. But you need dual... Uh, well, there you go, Baxter. You say, well, maybe Timmy Chandler will play. That doesn't instill any more confidence in me yeah. than uh, Edgar Castillo. The curious case of left back for the U.S. Men's yes. National Team right now. And it's been that way for years. It's been that way ever since Steve Terundolo retired, basically. Yeah. So we're talking years. A couple years there. All right, the midfielders, Kyle Beckerman, Alejandro Bedoya, Michael Bradley, Mix Discarude, Fabian Johnson, Jermaine Jones, Perry Kitchen, Alfredo Morales, Darlington Nagby, Lee Wynn, and Danny Williams and Graham Zussi. Not a bad mixture of guys there. A couple guys that are used to playing the center defensive mid, a couple true center mids, and then a couple attacking mids as well, which is good. A good mixture, I feel like, across the board. I agree with that. It'll be nice to see Perry Kitchen back uh, in this camp, yeah. at least. I don't know if he'll make the final 23, but it's I nice to know. see him coming over from Scotland. Uh, Alfredo Morales, you know, we I'm haven't seen too much of him. him but, but, I don't know much but, about him. But I can say for once, I'm not I don't have to argue much with this at all. I think I most of these guys are well-deserved. Uh, it's going to be hard, I feel like, this spot more than any to figure out who belongs here, I feel like. Because absolutely. there's a lot of really good guys. But then they, you beg the question, well, I know some of these guys can maybe play defense if I put them there. Do I take less defenders and keep more midfielders? Well, right. maybe. Yeah. You only get 23 guys. 20 of those are field players. You know, I guess if you're going to talk about a couple of surprises, maybe not seeing with a 40-player provisional roster, not seeing somebody like Sasha Kleschen. He's played well for the Red Bulls recently. But I see that another guy that has kind of outstayed his welcome with the U.S. men's national team. He's done okay, but I don't feel like he's done that great. Uh, But, you know, you could could say the same thing about a Graham Susie. He's he's, he's never been a superstar in that midfield. No, he hasn't. Even even for sporting this year as well, he hasn't been the best. Another guy is Mixed Iskarud, you know. Why is he there? But, again, you look at these, and, you know, I was reading another article where it did make a great case of, you can be, a, you, you know, not necessarily upset, but you can be perhaps a little, huh, with Kleschen not being there. But you substitute him for mixed discarood. Are you really getting that it's much more? It's the same thing. Right. Kleschen's a little taller, I think. That's about, I mean, if you're really going to look for too much of a difference. Their playing style's fairly similar. I think Kleschen's yeah, just a little bit know, bigger of a body. I, I will say, I think, uh, you know, the diff- the main, main difference you see is discarood is more of a skill guy, where Kleschen yep. is more of a uh, get in there and, and grind it out kind of player. Yeah. Jermaine Jones, is he going to make the roster? Yes, he will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, honestly, he at the will. end of the day, he will. 
Uh, Darlington Nagby and Lee Wynn, I really hope both of those guys make it as well. Nagby, I mean, Lee Wynn is much more of an, a creative attacking midfielder. Nagby has been slid, in, slid in into the midfield a little bit more, like the center of the midfield, and he's looked good as well. Well, and let's be honest, even when Klinsman puts him on the outside, Nagby likes to drift yeah, into the center. In, but I don't know. I feel like there's too many middle bodies on this team for Nagby to get a lot of playing time. And if he does, even or, and I could see that yeah. being a reason why he doesn't make the roster because Klinsman will look and say, "Oh, I've got Kyle Beckerman. He's a very good center mid. I got Michael Bradley." Yeah, I think what you'll see Jermaine though, Jones. you know, Darlington Nagby, he he can play both ways really well. That's that's he the can. great he thing can. you get yeah. from him. I feel like he would be stuck on the outside if they do get him because mm-hmm. I think they're too center mid full right now. I see what you're, sa- the, I see what you're saying with right, the guys yeah. that they have here that we think will be making this roster. I can see Magby getting pushed to the wing. Yeah, if he does make the roster, yeah. which is can what you I, want, though. You want some speed, though. At the you same do, time. you do, and he's, you know he'll embrace it and go with it. He will. He's time. just he's more effective in the middle. Agreed. You know. All right. Speaking of guys that are effective, let's look at the forwards. Depends on the day if they're effective. Honestly, Josie Altidore, Clint Dempsey, Ethan Finley, Jordan Morris, Kristen Pulisic, Chris Wondolowski, Bobby Wood, and Jassy Zardes. Only two of these guys are not in MLS right now. Interesting. Yeah. I, <sighs> Again, um, I'd almost like to see Josie not on the squad, to be honest I'd with be you. fine with no Josie. I'd be fine with no Chris. Clint hasn't really been doing it for me this year either, honestly. No, and he's been injured as well, so yeah. I was actually a little surprised to see him on this. But he's uh, Dempsey. He's the face of, of U.S. soccer. He right is now. right now. So that's probably why. Jordan Morris, I'm sure, will find a way. Kristen Pulisic will find a way. Bobby Wood will probably get snubbed, unfortunately. And Jossie Zardes. Hopefully and I certainly hope there. Bobby Wood doesn't because and he's had a hot thing. season there I in Germany. I want Bobby Wood on this roster. And when he suits up for the U.S. national team, he always delivers. Yeah. Always. Even Ethan Finley's looked good as well. But you know you can't have, you cause a riot if the household names are not on the team. There's a stupid political side of this roster as well to an extent. Well, I actually, I fault more, more Klinsman. Um, this is, when it comes to the forwards, it's definitely a place where he leans on the older names. And as much as he likes to say there aren't any safe positions on this team, if that were the case, you wouldn't be calling up Josie Altador. You wouldn't be calling up Clint Dempsey at this point. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be calling up Chris Wondolowski. I agree. I completely agree with you on this. And I mean, even looking through some of the comments here on MLSsoccer.com with this article that was posted, uh, people are actually asking about Jose Villafania, too. They're like, where is Villafania? What does he have to do to get a call-up, you know, with how weak this roster is at the left back? Why right. can't he get called up? So right. you've got other, you're not the only person that's, you know, hollering for him. Uh, Breck Shea, not so much. People are kind of iffy a little bit about that. But it's interesting to see what people are saying. Somebody proposed the last the forwards that will be called in are going to be Dempsey, Pulisic, Wood, and Altidore. That's just somebody's prediction. Yeah, well, the- you can't not have Zardis, I feel like. I feel like club and national Zardis has always looked good. Almost always, yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But, better, uh, than not, but, better than none. But, you know, is he... <sighs> I wouldn't. I, I guess if you have Wood, Pulisic or Pulisic, mm-hmm. um, Jordan Morris. Uh, I, yeah, no. Actually, I'm, I'm, as I'm saying this out loud, I, I can't disagree with you, Baxter. Yeah. Almost like Zardes has to be there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know there's some people who think he's overrated, and I understand that. Um, In what regard but, is he overrated? Well, they say, well, you know, you look who he's playing with with the Galaxy. Look at the balls that he gets fed. But yet he suits up for the U.S. team, and there's maybe been a couple of games, especially early on, yeah. where he's been shaky. But I don't, I, I don't see I that think nervousness. He's grown into on it him. a lot more, right. honestly, yeah. at this point. So I'm curious to know what you guys think about it. I'm sure you can find us uh, on social media to let us know your thoughts on Facebook. Too up front, you can shoot us a Facebook message right on our Facebook wall or on Twitter. 
uh, to Upfront Soccer, the number two, not TWO. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, Bethlehem Steel captain, the defender, will be here, Ryan Richter, to chat with us a little bit about what it's like to be in the USL. We'll be back with more on two Upfront right after this. Welcome back to another edition of Two Upfront, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn, here now with an opportunity for a player interview. We head to the wonderful worlds of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for this interview. We head to a club that is very historic for any of you that have followed the growth of soccer in America for a very long time. The name Bethlehem Steel FC means something to you. You know about it back in the early 1900s. You know that the club was around from about 1904 until 1930. Won a ton of different championships back when soccer in America was a hot-button topic, and then it went away for a while. But now it's back. It is part of the Philadelphia Union. It is their uh, USL side that they use, as you've heard from so many other MLS teams nowadays. You hear about different teams that uh, have a second team or a partner team. Well, Bethlehem Steel FC is the USL version of that for the Philadelphia Union of MLS. And we have an opportunity to speak with the captain himself, Right off of training, right off of, uh, right off from the gym, it's number forty-four, the defender Ryan Richter. Ryan, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. You are welcome. Well, uh, Ryan, we're excited to have you on the program. You look at this team, you look at the history behind it. What does it mean to you to play for such a historic franchise? Right. Um, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's a bit different than you know at most clubs when they're starting out because this club does have some history, so it's. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing, you know. You know, I actually didn't know too much about it until um, I signed here and I started reading some of the things about the club, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to play for a club that has such great history. Absolutely, yeah. You uh, you talk about it. You've only been at the club since December. You came from the Ottawa Fury. Uh, you were with them for for two seasons. Well, talk a little bit about your time being uh, kind of in the Toronto FC system. You did spend some time in, with some first team action as well. So tell us a little bit what it was like to play uh, with Toronto and Ottawa for a little bit. Right. Um, I spent uh, spent three years in Canada, and it was uh, you know with two really good clubs, with Toronto and, and Ottawa. And it was uh, you know a great experience for me, and you know I met some good people and some played for some really good coaches. Um, so you know my experience there was something that I, I learned a lot from. I learned a lot from the people I was working with, and uh, you know a big part of my career. You spent the, uh, like you mentioned, though, you said you were with the Fury there for, for two technical seasons. You played all 32 games for them last season. You won a championship as well against the New York Cosmos in the NASL. What were the little bit of a differences that you saw between uh, MLS and NASL at the time? I know folks are always saying, well, they're competing leagues, or sometimes, you know, NASL is, you know, that second division under MLS. Did you see a lot of differences, or was there a distinct uh, difference, I guess, in what you saw in terms of style of play and uh, even just overall what it felt like to be a part of the game? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that, uh, that MLS certainly has, you know, the star players who are, you know, a level above what, what the NASL players, um, would be as far as, you know, technically and, you know, how good of players they are. But, um, overall, I think, you know, starting 11 for an NASL club, could, you know, there's a lot of players who could certainly compete for, for starting spots and definitely squad, squad roles in, uh, in MLS teams. So it was good. I played with a lot of experienced players. I think you know that's pretty common throughout the league. Is that you know most most teams are full of experienced players, not a lot of youth, and you know not a lot of um, guys really on the way up. It's more guys who who have played and you know know what they're doing and and 
really are trying to win a championship. So it's a uh, it's a pretty good league, and and it's only growing. And it's only you know the owners aren't only investing more money, and um, it's only getting better every year. So it's it's good for American soccer and uh, soccer in North America to have you know a second division league that really is is striving to be better every year. Absolutely, yeah. You uh, as you mentioned that. I mean. You talk about players with experience. You, uh, your, your name certainly has to come up, at least within the organization. Uh, you've been around the game for a couple years. You've won a championship. You're an established defender in the league. You spent time in MLS and NASL and now USL. How much of the partnership uh, between Bethlehem Steel and Philadelphia plays out? I mean, even in training, do you guys get an opportunity to train with some of the Union First Team guys, or how often do you get to interact with those with the club? Right. I mean, well, we see them every day. We, we train in Philadelphia, so it's... Uh... You know, it really is one club, and it's it's two teams, but really one club. We train here every day, and um, you know we're based out of Philadelphia. We're based out of the stadium, so um, we see these guys every day. We don't train together, but um, you know, for for the guys who come down to play with us for the game days, they'll train with us maybe the day before the game. So it's pretty fluid as far as guys coming down to play. Not not as much guys going up for training and to play, but. Um, it certainly is uh, is good for the development of a lot of players that maybe aren't getting games at the MLS level, um, and also for you know kids going up through the academy. So it's uh, it's really good for the club overall as far as developing players and and making sure that guys who maybe aren't getting first team minutes are still getting games and still uh, progressing. What do you like the most about being in the USL? I feel like there's a lot of different teams with a lot of different stories. Uh, you've got an upcoming match against Louisville City FC, uh, a team that is pushing to become an MLS team, which I know is a little bit of a different situation than what you guys at Bethlehem are doing, obviously. But what is it like to play some of these teams, or the, even the bigger teams in USL right now? Right. I mean, I, I played for Charleston in 2012, and we won a championship. So, um, you know, I, I know a little bit about you know what the other teams in, in USL, the ones who aren't affiliated with MLS teams, um, you know, what they're about. And they're all about winning. So it's uh, it's a good test. It's, it's good to make these these guys who are coming down to play USL minutes, it's actually meaningful games, and it's you know it's a real league. It's not like a reserve league. It's a it's a real league. So us going up against teams like that, it, it can only benefit uh, can only benefit the players more as far as playing against you know other other MLS uh, affiliated sides. Now you talk about playing in a real league. I mean, FC Cincinnati just a couple of weeks ago they packed over twenty thousand people into their stadium uh, against a, against the Nashville FC side, which raised a lot of eyebrows, I think, and a lot of folks saying, well, I didn't realize 20,000 people in Cincinnati cared about soccer, which was great to see, honestly. I mean, you talk about trying to find who is going to support, you know, you hear all about MLS expansion, you hear all these kind of crazy things, but it's it's amazing to see that when the right team is in town that people want to come out for it. And, I mean, I'm assuming you guys see that similar situation for you guys, too, with Bethlehem Steel. Does, does the history part of it draw the fans, or is it the playing style, or is it just the fact that you're the captain? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, you say for Cincinnati, it's, it just shows how much soccer's growing in this in this country that um, a new team in, in really the third division has drawn 20,000 fans. You know, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. Um, and, you know, as far as for Bethlehem, I don't really think it has too much to do with the history, more as just that there's pro soccer being played um, in the Lehigh Valley, and there's a lot of soccer players and a lot of soccer fans out there that um, want to see a, a, the pro product without having to drive all the way Chester to see it, so it's uh, you know with the more teams being added, it's it's 
it's great to, to spread the game and give more people a chance to, to see it and to play at a professional level. Talking with Ryan Richter here on Two Up Front, the captain of Bethlehem Steel FC. Ryan, I need to ask you, uh, your Twitter handle is something you don't see every day. Uh, tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Shackledino, is that, uh, is that correct? Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so, got I to ask the, the motivation behind that. It's just it's very unique. You wouldn't hear that every day. Well, I mean, two people that I'm sure you're familiar with, Shaq and Ronaldinho, sure. my idols because of, uh, more because of their personalities and the way they play the game. Um, you know, two different sports, but because of their personalities, man, they love the game and, and they enjoy every minute of it and enjoy every minute of, uh, of their lives. So the two people that I look up to and, <laughs> you know, two people that really what 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 it should be about, you know, enjoying life while you get to do what you love. And I, I saw that uh, your Twitter handle before I even went to like your player profile page, and I was like, oh gosh, this guy is probably going to be like you know six seven, six eight, you know two something, like being <laughs> like you know trying to emulate Shaq on the. But he's got the skills of Ronaldinho, and I looked at him I'm like, okay, I mean, not that you're a small guy, you're six two one seventy, which is a great size for a for a defender. But I was like, I gotta ask about that Twitter account. I'm like, that's just so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person. Okay, so. good. Yeah, because so many times players are like, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, my Twitter handle is Baxter Colburn. Woo, very uh. <laughs> Very unique, but at the yeah. same time, everyone's got their own their own way of you know setting up themselves apart. Now, I'm curious, Ryan, when you look at it from a defender's standpoint, how much of what you do, number one, as a captain on the field of what happens, how much do you control of what happens on the field? I know as a captain you, you take command, but does the coach feed a lot of different information through you, or does it go as a team as a whole? I mean, I, every coach has their own game plan, but what role do you play during those 90 minutes that you're on the field? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a big responsibility because it, I think even more in in our team because we have you know different players joining us every week really from from the union. So it's uh it's something when we're on the field, I kind of take it as, as my responsibility to uh, to make sure I'm talking the entire time and make sure that everyone's on the same page. And I know um, Brandon uses me, you know, a lot of times he'll tell me to give relay information on the field, and you know, my job to kind of control control people's interaction with the referee and things like that and you know just make sure that I'm talking the entire game and and keeping everybody on the same page which is exactly what you want from your captain too which is very commendable in that regards so looking ahead Ryan you've only played a couple games so far this season what is the you've had a couple games now even as a captain to assess the talent that you have and I know you said there's kind of a revolving door at times with guys coming in and out from the union what is a realistic expectation that you guys have going forward now for the season well, I mean, definitely our first goal is make the playoffs. You know, with eight out of fourteen teams in, in the Eastern Conference making the playoffs, I think that um, every team should should set the goal of making the playoffs. So for us, that's no different. Our goal is to make the playoffs, and and obviously we'll we'll go from there, kind of thing. Once you get there, you can, you know, anything can happen. So we've showed that we can compete against some of the best teams in the league. So there's no reason that we can't set the goal higher than that as well. Would you say that playing? Uh, I mean, you get you have you're you're from Southampton, Pennsylvania, to begin with. So, did you when you found out that you were going back to Pennsylvania after spending three years in Canada? Is, was there a little bit of a smirk that came over your face, saying like, "Yes, I get to kind of go back home," or you're like, "All right, why not? I guess I'll go back to the the home state." No, that's like the main reason that I uh, I came home. Um, you know, my wife's pregnant with uh, our first child. So oh, congratulations! Yeah. So was mine. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. So. To be able to be be near home and uh, you know give both of our parents the chance to to be grandparents and see their grandchild, mm. you know whenever they kind of whenever they want to, um, 
you know, that's something that we can't, we couldn't take away from. So that I had this opportunity, it's, it's something in my career that I had to take. Um, even though I had, you know, it was a tough decision because I had some clubs that I really, um, really wanted to play for and, and that were really interested in me. And, but overall, I, I couldn't, couldn't take this away, this opportunity away from my family. Has, uh, has Jim Curtin already filed a, a homegrown claim on your child yet or not yet? <laughs> I don't know yet. We'll have to see. We'll have to see over the next couple of years, though. Okay. Okay. Do you know what it is yet, by chance, or are you still waiting to hear? Yeah, it's a boy. Oh, well, a boy. there you go. See, there's there's I'm an opportunity. He's a soccer player. Yeah. Right. You gotta gotta follow in dad's footsteps. You gotta set a good example for him. Well, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule today to to chat with us here on Two Up Front. Uh, we wish you the best of luck going forward, and uh, hopefully we can chat again in the uh, the coming weeks as well. All right, great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. You're very welcome. Ryan Richter, the captain of Bethlehem Steel FC. He wears number 44, the defender. Go and check out a Bethlehem Steel game if you are in the Bethlehem area in Pennsylvania. And you can hear more about that by going to philadelphiaunion.com and checking out the Steel FC tab as well. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got much more in store for you here on Two Up Front, presented by shopfutsal.com. Back here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. Simon, you found some interesting things about the Olympics, didn't you? I did, I did. I figured, you know, while you're doing that great interview, I'd, I'd do some research on the computer. Fantastic. <laughs> What'd you find for us? Uh, indeed, Brazil has never won a gold medal. Interesting. At okay. The, uh, at the Olympics. But Baxter, I got a little trivia for you. Okay. 1904. Okay. Who took the gold? <sighs> 1904? It was in St. Louis. St. Louis. God, I have no idea. There were three teams entered. Oh, geez. Only three? Um, Back in 1904. Who was good at soccer back in 1904? Argentina. I don't know. Canada. (laughs) What? Now, here's here's an even better. How did the Canadians (laughs) win it? What? Look, here's an even better better trivia for you. Okay. Who won the silver and who won the bronze? Uh, Mexico and the United States. You got one of them right. You got the United States. The United States won the bronze. Oh, wow. Sil- okay. Silver was not Mexico. The silver was the United States. But, <laughs> did the women's team play? How, how does no, that so, work? So in 1904, actually what they did, there were only three entries. Okay. And there were three different college teams. One from Canada, one from, and then two college from the U.S. Teams. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't know if that's where the tradition started of just using college players. Sure. You know? um, but yeah, there were huh. there were three different teams. So it actually wasn't the country, or at that time, the Commonwealth uh, of Canada that won. It was it was one of their or, or amateur teams, whatever it was. Um, I had it here, and now I lost it. Anyway, so the U.S. had two college teams in there. Weird. Uh, and okay. then Canada had one of their either amateur teams or college teams, and they just did a round robin in 1904. So Canada actually has a gold medal in men's soccer Olympics, and Brazil does not. Boom. I wonder how they feel about that. That's actually kind of cool. It is kind of cool. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Huh. The more you know. The more you know. I love it. All right. Well, some very interesting games taking place in the women's soccer world the last couple of, last couple of days. Week three of the 2016 NWSL season is in the books, and the Washington Spirits, Simon, find themselves completely and utterly alone at number one. They sure do. Nine points, six goals for, one against. Wow. They're yes. really good. Yes. They're really good. Uh, out of the gate, I mean, 3 nothing over Western New York Flash, who I don't think many pe- people predicted such a uh, 
Such a large win for them. Such a such a blowout, I guess you could say. And Western New York Flash has got a good roster, too, from what we've had. We've had a chance to talk with Sam Mewis and Adriana Leone, even Jim Gabara as well, their head coach. I mean, they've got a good team, a little bit less of the stars, as you would like to think, but still a fairly good team, though, overall. But on the other side of things, though, Simon, there are other teams in the league that are struggling severely, uh, two of which you wouldn't assume that this early on in the season. FC Kansas City, the defending champions, they have yet to win a game this year. They're 0-2-1. And, and then the Boston Breakers are 0-3-0. and Very interesting. The Boston Breakers have yet to score a goal on the season as well. Is that right? I didn't yes. realize that. Yes, wow. they have yet to score a goal as well on the season. So that makes you wonder... Well, where's where's this going to come from? Is somebody going to finally step up for a team like Boston? I mean, you'd like to hopefully see somebody step up, but Boston has been kind of struggling this year so far. I mean, they've had a uh, Libby Stout and their goal has done fairly well. She's got eight total saves on the year, so that's definitely there for you. Um, but you got to wonder. What, well, what's going to happen with Boston now the rest of the year, honestly? Right, and it's actually just to, uh, boy, I'm going to sound like you're, I'm going to sound like a dad here. Oh boy, here uh, we go. We we go on these tangents and we throw out names sometimes. Sure. I'm just as guilty of it. Paul Riley's actually the head coach of the Western New York Flash. You're right. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry, Jim Gora's no. uh, Washington Spirit. That's who it is. Is it Spirit or is yep. he with the? I'm yes, pretty sure. Right. Yes. He's with the Spirit. That's right. I. These guys got to stop switching teams and throwing the rest of us out. Well, that's that. That that is part of it, isn't it? That's that's the tough thing about. Uh, about soccer, even even over in England as well, it happens all the time. You've got managers switching teams. Yep. You've got, um, I mean, Jim Gabara at one point was with Sky Blue. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, they're, they're all and over the place. And now Christy Holly's over at Sky Blue <laughs> as well. It's, it's kind of crazy. But it's interesting, though, even though Boston is last in the league, they still have had a fairly good turnout. They've had, over their two home games that they have had, uh, they have had uh, 7,400 people come out to their home games, and they've had 3,500 people come out to their away games within however you want to gauge that. Yeah, I mean, that, attendance is, uh, is quite doing quite well in the NWSL. Yeah. You know, they were just over 5,000 for an average last year. Right now they're averaging uh, just over 6,300. Yep. And, of course, a lot of that comes with the Orlando Pride having that record-breaking day of 23,000. Yes. Um, of course, they got another exciting home game coming up this Sunday against uh, Seattle Rain. Seattle Rain. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's interesting to see how some of these teams, too, Houston Dash, they play inside BBVA Compass Stadium. Uh, they've had so far, I mean, they've had 12,000 people come out to their two games that they've played at home so far. So the stadium size, the bigger size, hasn't mattered too much. Fans are still coming. But a team like the Chicago Red Stars, they've played two home games. They've only had 6,500 fans come out to fill Toyota Park. Yeah, it's interesting, and uh, you know, at the same time, you look at the Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. There, it's not like they're they don't uh, really top draw of the a lot league of as well, either, right? Yeah. Right. Something about Chicago sports for some reason. I don't know what it is. Mm. Maybe Jay Cutler's playing for them this year. I don't know. Uh, going back to Boston, just for a quick moment, Simon. You look at this roster for some of these players on the team. They've got some really good key players that are playing. Whitney Engine, as we all know from the U.S. Women's National Team, Christy Mewis, a very talented striker as well. And even Stephanie McCaffrey as well. They've got some very talented ladies on the squad, um, um, just to name a few. And even Libby Stout, who's played goalkeeper for them out of their two out of their three matches. Still nothing is really clicking for them so far this season. I don't understand why not. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when you're allowing two goals a game, though, mm-hmm. that's uh, that hurts. Know, for people who don't know in soccer, that's that's actually quite a lot of goals to be averaging yeah. against uh, against your own team. Exactly. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of goals um, against, Ashlyn Harris for is tied along with Libby Stout and Lydia Williams and Sabrina D'Angelo for the goals allowed this season. They've all allowed four uh, through the first three games of the year. 
Uh, looking about who's been doing the goal scoring, though, is Diana Matheson. She leads all NWSL players for the Washington Spirit uh, with three goals. Kristen Press has two. Uh, the gal from Portland that nobody knows how to pronounce. Uh, we're going to call her Dagny because that's her first name. Uh, Bryn Jardish. Let's let's just call her Dagny. She's got two I think goals. She'd appreciate that. Kim Little's got two, and Lindsey Horan has two as well. For well, Portland. and it's no surprising when we're looking at Portland that Dagny is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. up in the up on the top of the charts when you have somebody like Tobin Heath, who has four assists on the season, and we saw one of those this last weekend. A great, perfectly played yeah. ball into the uh, into the penalty area, of which uh, Dagny. Got on her head and put her right in the goal. That's what you want, honestly. Uh, one person to highlight a little bit, too, someone that we've had on the show in the past, Rachel Daly. She has two assists, the rookie so far this season. Two assists, uh, 11 total shots as well, uh, five total on frame. I watched the Houston Dash uh, take on Sky Blue this last weekend, and uh, even though it's finished in a scoreless draw, it was one of those scoreless draws that you were on the edge of your seat the entire game. You're like, who's going to find the score? Because they were all really going at each other for a while, more so Houston. And I think they really uh, they really took it to Sky Blue, but credit to Christy Holly's squad for holding on tight and fending off the Houston Dash in that game. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say Rachel Daly is such a fun player to watch. She so. is. She's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, now, I mean, having the opportunity to see what she's capable of doing week in and week out, she's one of those players that commands the ball, especially now with Carly Lloyd out for a couple more weeks for the Houston Dash. You know a lot of it's going to flow through her. Morgan Bryan's been still out with injury as well, so we'll see how that sh- shifts around once she finally comes back. But so much of what happens in the offensive attack for the dash flows through Rachel Daly. So Absolutely. I'm curious to see what happens with that. And maybe for some of you, too, just as a side note for what you were seeing, um, maybe what we posted on Twitter and Facebook this last week, I'm still trying to find uh, an NWSL team to cheer for. You are, yes. I, I have yes, a couple teams that are courting me, but I, I don't have any <laughs> official... Uh, decision yet. Uh, so far, the Chicago Red Stars have made a push for me to follow them, and uh, the Houston Dash as well have made a, a strong push. So uh, I, I don't know yet. I haven't made an official decision. I will make an official decision hopefully in the next week or two here, but I don't know. I still don't know who I want to cheer for yet. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, you know what would help the Chicago Red Stars case is uh, you know maybe get in a player or two or head coach on the show. There's an idea. <laughs> We've been there. Very thankful, by the way, to Western New York Flash, the Houston Dash, and the Washington uh, Spirit. Washington Spirit reaching out to to up front, us reaching out to them as well, and you know building a great relationship with yeah. those clubs. And of course, we'd love to talk to more players from more teams as well. And maybe Boston and FC Kansas City should come on. They're the two teams yet to win a game this year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We had that run there for a while. We that did. Whenever Opening somebody came weekend, on, everybody won. won. Yes. Sam Mewis <laughs> scored a goal week one too. Rachel Daly scored some goals too. So I mean, hey, if you're if you're listening to the show as a as a player, a fan, or anything of these teams, let your organizations know, hey, get somebody on the show because they seem to be doing something right. Well, and speaking of two teams that we haven't had an appearance from yet, uh, but it, many people considered it the game of the week yep. because it was the rematch. FC Kansas City taking on Seattle Reign in Seattle. Fun game. Seattle getting the win. A so, needed win. A little, little bit of redemption there. A little bit. I mean, it was Kim Little that scored the goal, too, so you want to be thankful for that, but... I mean, at the same time, FC Kansas City just hasn't looked good as a they whole this not, season. Right. You know, from from day one, they just they haven't wowed me with anything that they've done this year. Honestly, I mean, I've had a chance to catch a couple of their games, but as a defending champion, starting o two and one, and only scoring one goal this season. Well, and it's you know makes it really surprising too when you have a midfielder like Heather O'Reilly out there or a defender like Becky Sauerbrunn. Yeah. To not see players like that be able to continue on. 
the great streak that FC Kansas City had. Yep. Su- very surprising. You're right. I completely agree with you on that. And you wondered, too, with Sydney LaRue being out for the season as well because she's you know having, having a child as well. You wonder if that's playing. You, you don't have a target forward like that. I don't. I never remember what happened to Amy Rodriguez. I think she might be pregnant, too. I don't remember for sure, honestly. Right. But I know that she hasn't been in yet as well. So you miss you take both of those gals out of your starting lineup, and that leaves a pretty big gap that I don't think a lot of people can really come in and fill, honestly, regardless of how talented they might be. You don't have a LaRue or a Rodriguez. What do you do going forward? Right. So, But right. this upcoming week, Simon, we see some uh, some very interesting games taking place. Uh, what are we looking at so far for the upcoming weeks? Uh, well, our first game here is Boston Breakers at home taking on the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, you know, again, Chicago had a nice win over Orlando. And, yep. and you might say, well, fine, they beat an expansion team. But you know in a league that only has 10 teams. It's a good expansion team. Exactly. Though. Exactly. So they, they got a nice win. Uh, will this be Boston's opportunity to finally get a win on the board or even just a point. You know, maybe they yeah, get a draw maybe. here. But I think Chicago's too strong right now. I agree. And I think Chicago's uh, going to take this victory home, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Boston, you'd like to see them finally get a victory, but I like what Chicago's doing. Even though they haven't been completely lights out so far this season, they're still playing well. Yeah, after that. As, an, as, as overall right now. Right. They've won two games, so Kristen Press has been a huge part of that. So just keep feeding her the ball. Well, I think... We have the game of the week uh, on Saturday at 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern. Washington Spirit taking on the Portland Thorns. 100%. Thorns had a rough season last year, but we've seen them, at least early on, turn things around. Uh, they are also undefeated. They do have that one draw, but they're 2-0-1. Oh, and, and Washington, as Baxter had said, nine points on the season, three out of three wins. It's going to be a fun game, if I'm anything. I'm looking forward to this one. I want to know what Portland can do to slow down Crystal Dunn. She's got three assists on the year. And I mean slow down literally because she's very, very, very fast. fast yes. Very, very fast. And she's an exciting player to watch. She doesn't have, any, she doesn't have a lot of goals here, anything really in that aspect. But she's a very selfless player. Right. And then you could say the same thing for Tobin Heath. Can they contain her so that she doesn't keep getting those great crosses into the box? Uh, for uh, for Portland, so have the, if there's a game to tune in this week to the NWSL, I'm going to do everything in my it. power to try to find this game Saturday night. The wife will be out of town; she's visiting family, so oh, I don't work. I don't work Saturday yeah, night into go. Sunday. Want to a watch party Sunday or Saturday <laughs> night, Simon? I don't know what you got going on. I might be uh, having to sit back and. It's too far away for me to know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Even for me to look at me trying to plan things out this far in advance in my week. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this game. Uh, another game to keep an eye on as well, Sky Blue FC and Western New York Flash. That's going to be on Saturday night as well. Same time frame as well, so you can do the whole split-screen action if you want to. Right. Uh, and check it out. I, wa- I say this almost every show. I love that these games are live-streamed for free on YouTube. That's great. Gives Anybody every, every in the fan, world yes. can watch these games. Yeah. And I think that is amazing. When I was watching the Dash game this last week, the commentators made a point of saying that. They're like, you can watch these games for free anywhere in the United States. And the color commentators like, anywhere in the world. Anywhere you in have, the world, you, exactly. You can find any of these games. on If you have YouTube in any country you live in, go and watch these games. Absolutely. They're fun and exciting games to watch. And this actually should be a good game. Granted, it's it's now we're looking at the bottom half of the table. Sky Blue FC is, yeah. is number six. Western New York Flash is number eight. They're only separated by a point, though, and they're both going to be desperate to try to get another win on the season. They each have one win on the season. They're going to want mm-hmm. that other one to get them in the top half of the table, so this could be a very fun game to and watch. Fans attending this game would really want to keep an eye on it. Uh, really, though, you look across the board, all the games this weekend are a lot of fun to watch. FC Kansas City plays plays the Houston Dash on Saturday right. at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. FC Kansas City hosts. I'm going to probably try to keep an eye on that game as well. 
Uh, and then the the final game on, on Sunday, the big game, as you mentioned, Simon, Orlando and Seattle Rain. Orlando hosting uh, 5 Eastern, 4 Central um, on YouTube as well. Keep an eye out for that game as well. I mean, no matter where you look, I feel like there's some pretty good games no matter what game you want to tune yeah. into this weekend. Yeah, I can't disagree at all with that, Baxter. <laughs> all right. Well, do you want to make a couple of predictions fast about sure, how these what, teams are going to go? Yeah, we haven't done that yet with so, the NWSL. Uh, so Chicago is uh, – we, we both took Chicago, I believe, against Boston. I think we did, yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, Portland and Washington, what do you think about that one? I'm going to go with Washington. They're going to continue gonna, their streak. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think Crystal Dunn is going to be a little too much to catch on that one. Uh, looking at the other games, you have uh, Sky Blue and Western New York Flash. Baxter, I'm going to pick my first NWSL draw. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Flash on this one, honestly. I think right. uh, I think they're going to get a victory in this one. FC Kansas City in the Houston Dash. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, you know what? I, I might as well pick an away team as well. I think Houston's going to actually take this one. I agree. I definitely agree with you on that one. You'd like to see FC Kansas City get that first uh, victory of the year at home. I just don't know if that's going to happen. And the big one, Orlando, Seattle Rain. What do you think? Yeah, Seattle got that uh, nice big win this past weekend, and I think they're going to do it in Orlando as well. Mm, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one as well. So uh, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter, uh, 2 up front Soccer at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. When we return, our women's soccer spotlight, Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly will be here to chat with us to see what is happening for his baby blues up in the eastern coast. We'll be back with more on 2 up front right after this. Another edition of Two Up Front. We have an opportunity now here in our Women's Soccer Spotlight to have a chance to speak with Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly. Right now, his ladies are doing a very good job so far in the NWSL after the season just opened here just recently. They got a win week one against the Seattle Rain, and now they look to carry that momentum going forward. He's got a talented group of ladies, and we're excited to have a chance to speak with them. Coach Holly, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. You are welcome, sir. So I, right off the bat, last week you get a big victory against the Seattle Rain opening day. You turned a lot of heads. How did you feel uh, overall after that victory was in the book? Uh, it was good to uh, get it under our belt. I mean, going into the game, the, uh, we knew what the objectives were and what we wanted to achieve. And, um, you know, we were absolutely delighted with the, the final score. But, you know, we don't get too carried away. We know that um, it required a bit of luck, and uh, we put in a good shift. But we know Seattle's definitely a very good team, and we respect them. So, you know, we'll take the three points, we'll take the good moments, and uh, we'll work on the bad moments and, you know, prepare ourselves for this weekend against Washington. How do you take a victory like this against a team that anybody that follows the NWSL and try to almost treat it like it's any other day at the office because beating a team like Seattle is a little bit bigger than beating a team, you know, that might not be as well established or carry as many big guns. Did you did you kinda have to downgrade the win a little bit for your ladies? I mean, going into the game, you know, we we spent uh the last week of preseason really gearing towards Seattle and focusing on what Seattle did, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses and you know, we we definitely went into the game knowing that if we wanted to get anything uh, out of it. We needed to be at the top of our game. So we were delighted in terms of the application and the effort throughout the game. Um, you know, and we, we definitely let the players know that. But it's it's also really important that, you know, it, it was, it's very easy to get excited and, and carried away by it. So, 
the main thing is that we don't get complacent and we use that as a great foundation to move forward. You know, <clears throat> through our practice this week, we focused on some of the moments within the game that, you know, we we could do better. Um, but, you know, all the credit goes like ours because we, you know, we as a team sat down, talked about what we wanted to do, and they're the ones who executed it. And that's what you want to see overall, too. And that I think that helps emulate what your game plan was going into the game as well. And this is the, your your first official game as the head coach, so congratulations on starting off your, you your, 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 uh, your career there at 1-0, which I'm sure is great. But you've been around the team for a couple of years. You were an assistant for, for three seasons, is that correct? Yes, yes. So I was um, I was fortunate enough to be around the, the club for quite some time. I worked with the reserve teams. I worked then with the, the first team in the in assistant role, so you know I was coming in. I had quite a level of familiarity. We um, we had quite a bit of turnover during the off season. Some players, you know, uh, came to a point in their career where they were looking for a little bit of change, and they had to do what was best for them. So we used that opportunity to you know start fresh and uh, wipe the slate clean, and really um, try to put out a team. It's going to represent the club and the state very well. Absolutely, and so far you guys have done a fantastic job of that. Was there any nerves at all when you got that that call saying, "Hey, uh, Christy, we're, you're going to be the head coach now"? <laughs> um, I know. You, I, I think every, I think it's natural to be a little bit excited, but um, I don't know if it's if it's my personality or what it is. But I, I think as soon as, as soon as I found out about it, my focus is more rather than talk about it. it was really just to get the head down and. And, and see what we needed to do to be successful, you know, because I knew that it's a bit of a project. There's a lot that we have to do, and, you know, it's very easy to get excited, but you have to keep your eye on the goal, you know, at the end of the day. And if we want to be successful every day, we have to push ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Well, talking about keeping your eye on the goal, you have a, a lot of ladies on your team that know how to put the ball in the back of the net, one of which who's taken a, a couple of years off from the game and is now back, Tasha Kai. What's it like to have a, a gal like her on your team? Uh, yeah, she's definitely a very unique player. Uh, she's a fantastic <laughs> person, yep. fantastic player, and um, you know she's definitely a personality that you know the media enjoy, the fans enjoy, the players enjoy. She's just a you know she's a great person to have around because she's you know as she's got a little bit older, she's definitely you know shown that level of maturity. But it, it is very important to me, and I you know I speak to her quite a bit, is to let her be who she is. You know, she has to be the best version of herself, and that's a, a really outgoing, bubbly person who's, you know, likes pranks and likes to be involved with the, <laughs> the laughs and etc. You know, so yeah. but that's you know that's kind of the personality side. But then as a soccer player, you know, everybody knows a lot about Tash, and you know, as pre-season's gone on, from a physical aspect, she has looked stronger, she's looked sharper, and I, you know, we won't see the best of her for a few weeks yet. You know, we're going to see spells. We'll see some moments, but you know, we we feel that it'll be a few more weeks before we can really get excited by what she can do on the field. But you know, when she gets she gets back to where she used to be, it'll be it's exciting for everybody. I think it it's is exciting for the league as well. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's almost like getting a, a present week one, where you're like, "Ooh, I'm excited to see what happens to it." But then the present continues <laughs> to get bigger and bigger and bigger as the season goes yeah. along. Absolutely, I think you know it's a it's a good statement, not just for Sky Blue, but for the league as we as we try to grow the women's game. Yes, it's great to see that the league's able to attract back some of the, um, some of the the big name players who represent the country so well. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, it's, I think it's a win-win situation. 
Yeah, I would agree with you on that. When you talk about big-name players, at least for fans that follow the United States women's national team, you have two ladies on your team in Kelly O'Hara and Christine Rampone that are household names for many U.S. soccer fans, uh, especially especially Rampone as well. She's been around the game a long time. It's almost like having, would you say, like another coach on the field with having her around with how much knowledge and experience she brings to the game. Does she, what, what does she bring to the team that you see? Uh, I mean, the, the list is endless what Christy puts out there, you know, in terms of her ability on the field as a central defender. It's it's second to none. I mean, I'm maybe a little bit biased, but I say she's still one of the best in the country. And if you're the best in America, then you're one of the best in the world. You yourself had the opportunity to play professionally as well a little bit in the, uh, the top level of the Irish Premier League. Uh, give us a little background about what uh, what Christy Holly was like back in his uh, his glory days. <laughs> I think the reason my coach is because it wasn't good enough to play. Ah, okay. Nah, I was very fortunate growing up. I was able to participate in many different sports and I guess see yeah, quite a level of success in it. But soccer was the one that, at a younger age, soccer was probably my third um, third sport in terms of football, uh, but as I get older, I guess maybe it's something that I just it took, I fell for the love of it rather than the, the success. But I was very fortunate that uh, at a younger age I was was able to play in the Irish League, and uh, you know, as a player, I probably you know, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed against playing against myself because it was um, I enjoyed the competition, I enjoyed the battle, and uh, I was I was the guy that ensured. A, that the good players could play. <laughs> ah, okay. There you go. So, uh, well, we all had our we all had our place, right? That's why I mean, I, yeah, I everybody exactly. Everybody has. <laughs> That's it. As long as you know your role within the team, and I think my role was quite clear, which sit in the midfield and uh, let the the playmakers play and stop their playmakers play. There you go. Well, that's that's exactly what you want. So, uh, so looking forward just to the rest of the season here, Coach. I know you're only a you're only a game under under your belt right now, but the uh, the next couple of games are going to be quite a, an interesting slate for you. you. You play Washington, which is your home opener, then you travel to Houston, and then you you take on uh, New York and Boston as well. So you're kind of hanging around there on the East Coast a little bit. So travel wise, isn't going to be too terrible aside for that little trip down to Houston. How do you prepare the next couple of games, knowing that you've got a lot of these games? kind of in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, we've got targets of what we want to achieve um, points-wise by certain uh, certain parts of the season. You know, and you look at the first three games of the season, I say, yes, with, with every team I say, one thing I noticed about this league is there's no such thing as an easy game. There's just no such thing, and you're guaranteed that, um, I guess, maybe the weekend showed you that, that maybe we went five people on the game, and... Um, we showed that anybody on a given day can really step up and, and impact the, the game. So, you know, as you prepare for the games, you just one, one game at a time. And, um, you know, the main thing is that we go and we, we don't get complacent and we don't get too tired away with any results. Well, it's a good result or a bad result. You know, keep focused on the, keep focused on the process. And, um, you know, it's, it's, as I said, after the games, it's just the first step. Absolutely. So we want to get... One thing I'm curious to get your opinion about, um, something that my co-host and I and a couple other folks that I know that are around the NWSL on a, a fairly f- frequent basis, uh, we heard this week that uh, Houston is going to be hosting the NWSL championship, but which is fantastic, but at the same time, 
people are still a little upset because it's an it's in an MLS stadium. And I, I originally I didn't have a problem with that. I said, well, it's in a, a beautiful established MLS stadium. Do the women's teams need their own specific stadiums, or is it fine sharing with MLS teams? Do you think? I mean, ultimately, to get the to continue to keep the NWSL moving and the momentum, the, the connection with the men's game is um, is extremely important for the early success. But you know, the long term aim is, is to make sure that the NWSL can stand shoulder to shoulder with the uh, with MLS. The MLS is a fantastic kind of prototype for us to follow and for us to try and um, match because you know it, it has taken time. But over the years, they have seen the success both financially and both in terms of the, uh, the level of play. So it's a great it's a great benchmark for us to try and match. But in the early years, we need it. We need to have that connection. But you know, it is ambitious. But there's no reason we shouldn't be able to surpass. And given the, the success that the female national team has, and given the amount of uh, female players there is within this country, but also attracted to come play here from yeah. all countries, they you know it, it has to. It has to be um, sustainable, first of all, but then they have to try and stay um, become profitable. And that's some of the challenges they face in the, in the early stages. You know, it is its fourth year, that's a story compared to what it has been. But I think one of the big things that the, uh, the woman's NWSL has gone for is, compared to the MLS, the fact that the best players in the world are playing in America. Yes, yep, exactly. You know, so with that statement in mind, you know, they need to be given the best resources and they need to be exposed to the high profile that they deserve. So with time, hopefully, you know, the resources will get better and the stadiums become, you know, their own stadiums. Um, and the training grounds will be their own training grounds, but in the early days I think that MLS is a great um, great support system for us and, you know, something that we should learn from. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of I think what a lot of folks are, are thinking right now. I know uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garbery came out and said that he hopes that at least half of the MLS teams will have some sort of a partnership with an NWSL team like Orlando, uh, Houston, or Portland. I don't think that's a bad idea, honestly. I think that, that certainly helps. We've seen that with USL teams as well for MLS, and that's really, I think, helped build the game. And right now we're just trying to continue to raise awareness about you know soccer as a whole in America, and why not try to get that partnership right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the more roots we have in the communities, the, uh, the more targets that we have with various clubs at various levels will give us a better foundation to continue to grow upon. And you, you want every player and every team to become a household name. And at the end of the day, that's the MLS. You know, they do have the finances that will allow them to attract in players such as your Dykons, your Gerrards, Bobby Keane. You know, they've got finances to do that, but we've got the best players in their prime without the finances. So we've already got a great building block. Exactly. Well, Coach, we appreciate you taking the time today. Christy Holly, head coach of Sky Blue FC. Upcoming games against the Washington Spirit, Houston Dash, and Western New York Flash. Two of those games are home games. If you are in the uh, New Jersey area, go and check out the exciting product that Sky Blue is this season. Coach, good luck the rest of the way, and hopefully we can check in with you again later on in the season. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having us on the show, and uh, for the continued support. I appreciate it. Anything you guys need, just give us a call. Will do. Thank you so much, Coach. All right, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action here on Two Up Front right after this.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. I'm Simon Provan. Another interesting Olympic fact, Simon. What'd you find this time? Uh, so it wasn't until 1908 that actual national teams had been play, uh, played for the uh, Summer Olympics hmm. in soccer. 1900 was club teams. 1904 was club teams, but of course, interesting for the U.S. Even though we did have some clubs, they chose to send college teams instead. 1900 Olympics, Belgium also sent a college team instead of a club team. And it's interesting, too, because you talk about even later than that, I believe it was the 1980 uh, Winter Olympics where the U.S. sent that team, that the famous U.S., you know, Miracle on oh, Ice right. team. That was yes. a bunch of college guys. College players, And that was right, still, right. like, the norm. Right. You know, it's like, why would, we, why would we send professionals? That doesn't make sense. Like, there was guys that were playing for, you know, Minnesota and Boston University and all these other random... That was, like, the big thing about it. It was like, right. these, some of these guys were big college rivals, too. And it's like, you want me to play on the same team Well, this the, guy? the big impetus, too, Baxter, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, because this, this was before your time and probably before a lot of people's times who listened to us. But it, after the U.S. lost the... Uh, silver medal match, mm-hmm. maybe it was a gold medal match, in basketball to the USSR, that's when the U.S. said, okay, you know what? We've got every other country in the world is sending professionals to play in the Olympics. It's about time. It's time we do that as well. Then, of and course, you had the dream team with the... They've uh, never looked back. Yes. Uh, the dream team, though, with Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. I mean, that that first <laughs> that first Olympic team that had NBA players on it. I don't know if you will ever, <laughs> ever see a better team, honestly, at this point. At the same time, that, that helped grow... Uh, worldwide basketball, mm-hmm. because other countries said, "Okay, well, we got we got to figure out a way to develop better basketball players." We're kind of in that same place now with soccer in I the agree. U.S. of how do we develop better players? What's exactly. a better system? Exactly. All right. Well, Simon, uh, first of all, special thanks to Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly, the fiery Irishman. Fun to chat with him. Go and <laughs> re-listen to that interview if you haven't. If not, we'll post it as well on our Facebook, and you can listen to that on demand. Uh, it's time to look back at some MLS stuff now that's taken place. Simon, what uh, uh, MLS happened? I know. It's kind of an untraditional show for us. We led with women, or national soccer for the men's. Then we went with M- uh, NWSL. Now we're going to finally, I guess, talk a little bit about okay, okay. if we need to. We'll spend two well, seconds One of those on things I, we kind of like, right? I guess. No, absolutely. We love MLS. A we huge, love the amount of games that were played. Oh, my Lord. I think it was 13 total games. A couple of teams, both Simon and I's clubs, played two games this week as well. One of them against each other. One of them against each other, which was a lot of fun. But the Wednesday night games, NYCFC, Montreal, New England, Portland, Vancouver, and Sporting, all of those games ended in a 1-1 draw. All of them. Every all single them. one. New, I'll be honest. New England, Portland probably should not have. That was kind of a lucky little tap-in that the Revs there got at the end. Yeah, at the same time, though, Baxter, if I'm going to be fair, that was... It could have ended zero zero. There, there wasn't a nobody single, looked good. Me, me and you, I were texting back yeah. and forth, like, man, this, this is a bad game. We were watching the game. We're like, <laughs> we love our teams, but wow, they look bad. Our like, favorite moment. I don't, I don't even know who it was who took the shot, but I texted you. I said, I think that was a shot that went out of bounds. Diego for a Kobayashi. <laughs> yeah, he got like a ball played out to him, and he was about eh, twenty or so yards out, and he just like tried to hit it on the volley, and it went instead of going straight, it went parallel it went right <laughs> pretty much just like i don't know physics were probably like eh, i don't know it just happened it just poof, way out yeah that's what's one of the worst things you can hear is hey nice shot throwing for the other yeah, team you're like oh my gosh like how does that happen how does that happen? no deflection nothing it just <laughs> now i will say i think the uh the new york city montreal draw surprised us a bit they uh, did because nycfc was winning for 90 minutes they were winning, uh, which was a surprise in and of itself. I, yeah. I, I, I haven't looked back we at who we picked. We were kind of watching but... this game simultaneously, I right. think, at the same yes. time, because we were watching the Revs-Portland game, too. 
But, but for a Montreal team that's played so strong, and for a City team that has not been yeah. strong, to end one-one, that was that's a, that's yeah, very surprising. Exactly, to me. and I, I think, and I will have to look at the rest of the games here in a moment. But I, I think NYCFC might win my surprise team of the week from the oh, from could, the two I, games sure, that they, from the two sure. games that they played this week. Well, we'll, we'll look at it again in a little bit, in a, in a surprise in a positive way. I feel like right. uh, Vancouver Sporting. I don't know what's going on with Sporting right now. Um, they can't really seem to do much of anything productive. I mean, yeah, they scored a goal. Woo, but come on. Really, guys? Vancouver? Okay. Thanks, right. for, thanks for being go. there. Yeah. Thanks for being there. Friday night, Viernes de Football. The Red Bulls. This, to me, was the Dallas. surprise game Holy of the weekend. Holy nothing Red Bulls. They finally figured things out. Though at the same time, I will say, the, the week before this, they had a good result. And I said, I have a feeling that that might launch them into a positive and part of the season. And we both took the Red Bulls to win this game. We did. And I, was, I looked at the result of this game, and I, I didn't have a chance to look. And I was like, I wonder if I picked FC Dallas. <laughs> I was like, shoot, if I did. I'm like, I know Simon picked the Red Bulls. And I could hear him laughing in my head. But I'm like... I feel like I may have picked the Red Bulls. I don't know. And I checked it. I'm like, I did. Okay. Whoo. Even though, spoiler alert, we both finished 4-9 and nine this week. Yes, we did. We did. Yes. So bad. Uh, Montreal and Colorado, 2-2 in this game. Uh, did your Drogba. Two free kick goals. Boom, bam. Didn't matter where he was on the field. He made it happen. No, I actually think for Colorado, though, a 2-2 result on the road... Uh, heading from you know the Rocky Mountains all the way over to Montreal, that's a decent result for them. Yeah, Zach McMath still playing decent in goal. Of course, you know let two goals in. Interesting fact for you, Baxter. This is the first time all season that Colorado has let in more than one goal during a game. Interesting. That is, I did not know that. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, speaking of teams letting in a lot of goals, where was David Ousted in the NYCFC Vancouver game? Boy, NYC I don't know. three goals in this one. David Villa looking like David Villa, which can be scary for the rest of MLS. If you captained David Villa this week, you I got forty-two not. points <laughs> for MLS fantasy. Wow! No, so I did not captain that. him. Ah, David Elstead. Some days he's hot, some days he's not. I don't know what the deal is, honestly. Yeah, he started the season very strong, but uh But then as we saw, I think earlier strong. on in the week, he looked super really he looked super really good. There's a good English Baxter. He looked very talented, and then he fell apart. Yeah. Against was, uh, arguably a better team, or against a worse team. You'd say Sporting Kansas City on paper is a better team than NYCFC. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Should be anyways. Uh, yeah. Josh Saunders, of course, uh you know, he had a little bit of a blunder there as well, which Octavio Rivero, yep. we, which we haven't said that name much this season no. as well, but he finally took After advantage of that. After starting off very strong last season. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, Philly and San Jose, they both go 1-1 in this game. Uh, Chris Pontius, again, continues to score goals, so good for him. And then uh, San Jose got a late equalizer from Simon Dawkins. And this one, I mean, okay. Uh, right now, Philly's holding on to the second spot in the Eastern Conference, so that's good for them, mm-hmm. which is a little weird. Will they be able to maintain it? I don't know. Yeah, I honestly see. don't know. Interesting fact, Brian Carroll, though, had uh, played his 350th MLS match. Yep, in yep. That it's very interesting. Uh, and good for Simon Dawkins, too. This was his first career MLS goal. Is it really? How about that? What a time. And he did it against his uh, Jamaican national teammate, uh, Andre Blake, right. as well. Well, speaking of goals, not his first in MLS, but his third, third week in a row, Jordan Morris for Seattle, mm-hmm. topping Columbus. A little bit of a surprise win here as well, though Columbus has not looked good either. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Morris getting his third goal on the season for his third week in a row. So he is living up to his name as far as the last three weeks are concerned. And they've not been like crazy, awesome, fantastic goals either. They've been uh, traditional striker goals. Yes. Right place, right time, got a random body part onto it, and it went in. That's it. 
He's just doing that's the right it. thing right. right now. He's scoring right. goals, and Seattle's winning. And at the end of the day, that's really all that Seattle cares about right, right. now. Right. the fact that they've started to win games again. Uh, Chicago and D.C. United. Okay. Another one of those games. <laughs> uh, 41st minute, Jonathan Campbell scored a goal. Patrick Nyarko, the former Chicago Fire player, scored in the 64th. Did he celebrate? Do you know, did, I don't know. Did he celebrate against his old club? Um, I'm just asking. It was his 200th appearance, though. Yeah. Um, or, you know, he amassed nearly 200 appearances for the Chicago Fire. Um, I don't know. He opted, but opted not to celebrate against his former team. Oh, there that's we go. good. I, that, did, I did find that I, out. I always appreciate when you, you know, you always appreciate when you see a player of a former club score a goal and just go, yeah, I scored, but I'm going to be respectful. Yeah. And it all depends on how you left the team, too, obviously. Right, right. Uh, a game that had a lot of folks fired up about, the uh, Revolution and Orlando City. Diego Fagunas got the scoring early, uh, seventh minute, and then both teams traded blows. New England hanging on to a 2-1 lead going into the 90th minute, and then Carlos Rivas somehow beat London, uh, London Landon Woodbury to the ball on a cross and knocked it home. 2-2, final score. Yeah, Kellen Roll, though, playing uh, playing very well for Revolution. You know, He assisted that Juan Agadello goal. Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Uh, but, you know, he's he's been playing well for the Revolution now for a couple seasons, and you'd like to see the Revolution start to capitalize on the play like somebody like uh, Kellen Rowe. That would be nice. That would be nice. Honestly, one thing about this, too, we obviously know Chris Tierney in this game, but this is the second game that Donnie Smith has filled in at left back, and folks have been fairly happy with how well he's played so far. And then Javon Watson as well has looked really good at the right, at right back, uh, but he did go down with an injury in the 75th minute, leading Woodbury to come on, which led to the ultimate uh, game-tying goal. Sure. Pick, your, pick and choose your medicine on that one. RSL beating Houston 2-1 to one in this one. Uh, a fun game to keep an eye on as well. RSL, they were down 1-0 going into the 62nd minute, and then Jordan Allen scored, and Yurov Marsisian as well scored in the 70th minute. And just like that, RSL comes back from being down 1-0 and wins. And I'll tell you what, uh, it could have easily been a 2-2 game, but Nick Romando in a series of split-second saves mm-hmm. against Houston, uh, you know, he saves the one, it bounces to his left, Houston players there to put it right back at him, and he just basically lunges off the ground and saves it again. Uh, so it's no wonder why he's still getting called up by Jurgen Klinsmann. And one of the things, too, uh, after the fact, um, Houston uh, Dynamo's head coach, Owen Coyle, said Nick Romano probably already has uh, the save of the year after some of the yes. saves that he made. Yes, yeah. So I agree with that. at that point, you know, what more can you say? RSL continue to do really well for themselves. Uh, two interesting Sunday games, Sporting Kansas City and L.A. They drew 1-1, a little bit of a controversy. Folks were kind of like, eh, meh, meh, whatever about it. Jossie Zardes and Giovanni Dos Santos hooked up for a beautiful uh, counterattackle, and Brad Davis scored a screamer of a left-footed curler to the far post. It ends in a 1-1 draw, though. Yeah, a little bit of controversy with some fouls going on, but... Uh... Good result for Sporting, who's trying to right their ship, and not too bad for LA, who you know playing away from home. If you yep. can get a, if you can get a point on the road, that's always a positive Especially result. Especially in Kansas City, not right. an easy place to play, regardless of how good or bad the team is doing. Right. The other game that really had a lot of folks buzzing this weekend: Portland and Toronto in Portland. Uh, Giovinco stopped fairly well this week. Didn't do much. He didn't do much, and I'll tell you what. I thought Portland had a very deep team, but I'm going to have to say maybe they don't because the reason I say that is without their starters, they had not been doing too great. Now, granted, they're on a three-game unbeaten streak, so I like to use this word a lot on this show, but quietly they've been turning things around. They but they have also been getting players back. Valeri was back after his red card suspension. Liam Ridgewell's back in the uh, final third, which was a huge help because he had Borcher still back there. Uh, Clute was also back. Yep. Clute. Uh, is it Clute? 
I think it's Clute. I think it is Clute. Uh, Clute. You know, he's finally finally starting. So you have those back four together again. So Portland, looking like they they can be the contender that I had thought they would be. And uh, you know, the only disappointing thing for me, not that Will Johnson scored a goal, he very heads up goal for him. It was a nice goal. But for the fact that after he scores, he throws his arms up in the air and starts cheering right away, I give him some credit for realizing what he was doing. But yeah. come on, Will Johnson, you were the captain of the Portland Timbers. and You had left not on any ill will. You don't celebrate a goal that you score against your former club, especially one that you were captain of, especially one that treated you so well, yeah. especially one that didn't just kick you out the door. So come on, man. You know, I told you when I said to you, Baxter, when... Uh, he had signed with Toronto that I was happy about it. I was happy yeah. to have him off the Timbers because I was, I was sick of his crybaby antics. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, Will Johnson, if you're listening, which you're probably not. But um, Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, it just kind of proved my point of why I was happy to see that guy go. Yeah. I mean, it was a good heads-up goal. That's all I can really yes, say about it. Was. it. Uh, you got to take a quick moment, though, to mention the goalkeeper that stood on his head, on his feet, on his butt, yeah, on his everything. Yeah, Jake Gleason. He, wow. He kept this 2-1 victory all the way to the end. Uh, it was a great chance that Will Johnson did have at the end to yep. head that ball. Michael Bradley had blank, a screamer, right. too, that he saved. And this is one of those things where you, you're going to take... And it was good, too, because you saw the Portland fans applauding everything he did. Yes. Which was yes. cool. I think well, that was and, really cool. You know, to be backing up a great goalkeeper like Kawarse, he comes back from injury. What's going to happen? Does mm-hmm. Gleason stay in goal? So that's a tough decision for Porter to have to make. I'm excited to see what happens with that one. All right, so uh, some exciting action that took place this past week. Let's look ahead to this week with our predictions. As we mentioned, Simon and I both went 4-9 and nine last week. Uh, okay. Boo. What are you going to do? There's a lot of draws that we didn't really predict happening, though, honestly. A lot, yeah, those, those so can kind of That kind of messed with us a little bit. All right, uh, game number one, Orlando and the Red Bulls. What do you like about this one? Uh, I'm taking the Red Bulls. They're on a hot streak right now. Orlando seems to be doing, uh, you know, a lot of draws. Um, their defense a little bit shaky at the moment, which is interesting because it's not like they have a rash of injuries or mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, New York's just playing too good right now. I agree. I have the Red Bulls winning this game as well. We'll see what happens. Uh, Vancouver and Portland Cascadia going at it. What do you think about this one? Well, Baxter, I think uh, Vancouver has a great opportunity to win this game, but Portland seems to have their number in Vancouver. Mm, okay. uh, you know, we saw it during the playoffs. We we saw it during the regular season as well. But I'm actually going to take a draw on this one. Okay, interesting. we got um, two good goalkeepers playing in this one, Gleason and Ousted. You do, yep. I would agree with you on that one. I'm going to actually take Vancouver winning this game, but I think it's going to be a last-stitch, very, you know, kind of almost a weird goal that happens. Maybe a controversial goal. It's Cascadia Cup, obviously, right. so anything can really happen. Vancouver is desperate to get some sort of a positive result. I know they got some draws and they lost a couple of games recently too, but they need a they need a win. And why not to turn your season around by beating a team like Portland that's done fairly well this season? All right, so you got Vancouver, and I'm picking a draw. Yes, um, Columbus and Montreal on this one. Yeah, who do you have, Baxter? I am actually taking Montreal. I thought about Columbus there you for did. a you moment. Just switched them. I did. Um, <laughs> I think I had. I think I was looking at. I think I thought they were Colorado. I think that's why. I think I, looked, ah, I saw the okay. COL, and I think my brain switched wrong. Um, I want my. I, I want Montreal in this game because they offensively. Have done fairly well for themselves. I understand. Uh, it's nice to see a guy like Dominic Odoro getting on the board because we know he's got the speed to beat opposing defenses, but he also is capable of scoring goals. 
despite what people might think about him at times. And Drogba should play since this game will be on grass as well. Exactly, and he scored two screaming free kicks last week, and you'd like to think the momentum is in Montreal's corner, especially after Columbus just lost to Seattle again. Yeah, for no other reason other than because they're at home, I'll be honest with you. I'm taking Columbus on this. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. I can uh, I can respect that. FC Dallas and Toronto. Toronto finally going home. Yes. Finally opening their new, new, new BMO Stadium. Yes, uh, and I think they have to go one more season like that. I think next year. Cause I think this again? Is, I think they Why? may have to because I think they were doing it in How three phases. How hard is it to do all of these things? And, you know, a lot of people are complaining, saying, you know, the only reason they're doing this is because the, uh, the Toronto... Uh, Argonauts, the CFL team, is going to mm-hmm. be playing there, so they got to share the venue. Which oh, really? That might be valid, but you know what I say? Take advantage of that TFC. Yeah. If that's the case, you know, you're, you're up in your seating to 30,000, 35,000. Mm. Fill the place. Yeah. Do it Fill with your ball. play. Um, I'm actually I'm going with history on this, because when Toronto returned last year from their yeah. eight-game road streak, seven-game uh, uh, road streak, not streak, but travels, whatever yes. it may be, they ended up losing at home. I'm going with the same uh, same idea. FCD I'm taking on this okay, one. Okay, I'm going to take Toronto. I think they're going to finally defend the home wood at this one. Uh, we'll see what they do. Houston, Sporting Kansas City in this one. I have Sporting Kansas City. Neither team playing exceptionally well. I know this game is in Houston. I think Sporting Kansas City has had enough, and they're going to finally <laughs> go after it. They looked uh, good against LA for the most part. I think Sporting Kansas City, if you're going to pick a winner, is the fair pick, but I'm actually taking a draw on this one. Now, maybe may because of all the draws that happened this past week, and I'm going to be taking a lot of draws this week. Um, but yeah, same thing. Houston, it's not like Houston's getting killed. They're very close in their games, mm-hmm. and it's not like Sporting Kansas City is playing lights out soccer. Not even close to it. Yeah. Draw after draw after for them. So I think they're going to even each other out in this one. Okay. A game that usually would not draw a lot of attention to it, but right now with how well both teams are playing, Colorado and Real Salt Lake. RSL is going to take the win in this one. I disagree, Baxter. I think Colorado, this is in Colorado. RSL is still dealing with Plata very possibly mm-hmm. being out. Plata is the reason they won their last game against Colorado. With him not in there, I think Colorado, uh, who does have powers back in mid- midfield, by the way, finally returning back from injury. I think I think the odds are in Colorado's favor this Interesting. week. Interesting. We'll see you now with Jermaine Jones, too. He's been playing well. We'll see if they can continue to ride that. Seattle and San Jose, an interesting matchup for you here. Seattle, they're riding the Jordan Morris train at the moment. They sure are. Not very, you know impressive but it's still they're still winning yeah and san jose has been a bit of a disappointment uh recently here you know not well i say that at the same time they're on a two-game unbeaten streak but they had that they had that loss uh in portland three to one then they did come back and this is the thing so they beat sporting kansas city then they draw with philadelphia uh you know philly's doing well in the east but we're not we're still not completely sold on them Uh, i just lost my page here oh no Anyways, I'm going with a I'm going with a draw on this one. Okay, uh, your two Sunday games: the Revs taking on LA and DC taking on NYC FC. Come on, New England, you're not going to win this game. LA is too hot right now. Honestly, I want them to win the game, obviously, but I think LA honestly is going to blow New England out of Gillette Stadium. I could definitely see that happening, but they've got that long travel, and uh, not like New England's been playing bad, Baxter. Well, they did play bad this last Sunday, but not every game's been horrible. I'm going with a draw on this one as well. Okay, and then NYC FC and New York. David uh, David Villa. He's on fire. David Villa. <laughs> Go, David. And Andrea Pirlio. He reminds me of that Peel guy. 
I no, like it. I got, I got City on this one. All right, yeah, same for me too. City's going to win this game uh, thanks to uh, David Villa via <laughs> David Villa via Fania there. Via Fania, Jorge like David. All right, David. We're, going, we're going to a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up with our power rankings and our I Believe, and we'll be out of here for another edition. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front, wrapping things up here. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon, time for some power rankings, wouldn't you say? It is that time, Baxter. The most wonderful time of the show. That's that's it, right? Yeah. It's the most... I'm sorry. I started singing there. Apologize. That's what I was going for. I was like, seeing if he was going to go for it or not. <laughs> you know I will every time. I know. Yeah. You know, I had uh, my daughter on campus with me a few Ooh, weeks ago. Okay. And we were, uh, we were in our acting class, and she was handing out some papers for me. And then she had said something which reminded me of a song, and I started singing, and she just looks at me. You know, She was eight at the time. Now she's nine. Oh, my gosh. Eight at the time, and she looks at me and says, Daddy... Please don't start singing. And the entire <laughs> class, of course, erupts with laughter. I love it. I love it. Here, we'll, we'll do this to make it seem. Okay, it's time for our power ranking, Simon. Ooh. There you go. How's that? Does that make Two it sound? Two upfront power rankings. Yes. Presented by somebody who will soon sponsor Woo. the Two Upfront Power Rankings. <laughs> exactly. Does that, does, that, does that get you a little bit more, That's good. A little more like, juice yeah, for it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, power rankings. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Simon. Uh a couple movers and shakers for us. I have, uh, I mean, a quote-unquote, some new teams that were not in mind last week. So uh, my number five this week is the Montreal Impact. Um, I think what Drogba did, I mean, they come away with two draws this last week, but at the same time, they're scoring goals, and Drogba looked really good. I think they're a team to keep an eye on now going forward. Yeah, that was the one thing that surprised me, Baxter, is to see that you put Montreal in there after after having those mm-hmm. two draws. Um, but they've been good draws, I feel like, for them. Well, you know, you could say that I guess, if, you asking, if you yes. want. If you want to call New York City, well, New York is playing fairly well <laughs> they though are, recently. They are. So no, you got to right. you got to judge that on the you know fairly you know, same level though. I'm just looking at the results map here on MLSsoccer.com. Baxter, New England. My goodness, one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven squares out of ten that are yellow, meaning yep. draws. Holy cow! I didn't realize that. To yeah, be honest with bad. you, it's really bad. Who'd we even beat? We beat DC. Let's see. I remember who we beat. Oh, we Did beat the Red Bulls. Bulls. Oh, that's on right. April, oh, on that's why you won, because it was April Fool's Day. On Viernes de Football. Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for the league to be like, nah, you didn't win. Just kidding. Who's your well, number five, Simon? Uh, I've got RSL. Why? Because, uh, they've got one loss on the season, and granted, and? it was that thrashing. Well, I, I, had them, I had them there last week as number five as well. That's uh, just rude. So, so they win. I'm not going to drop them. Yep. They should go higher, I feel like. They beat Houston. They lost one game all they year. They beat Houston. I don't I don't I don't agree with it's, you. It's it's power I don't rankings. Like it. That means we're talking about the form right now. Yeah. They're doing it I, without Yao Plata. They beat Houston. 
Who used to be good? <laughs> Three-game losing streak, Baxter. They haven't won since their second game of the season. Well, that's they their beat fault. Houston. Whose fault is that, okay? Tell Houston to, to win more games then. I just think you should put RSL higher personally. Uh, number four for me is Portland. Who is it for you? Hey, it's Portland. Oh, how nice. Sometimes you're intelligent. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah, no, I mean, Portland doing a good job so far. I mean, yeah, they, Fernando Adi scored 15 goals in 20 games. That's something. The, well, and they're, you know, three-game unbeaten streak, like I said earlier in yeah. the show. How many games have they lost this year? They've lost three. Oh, look at that. RSL has won two more games than them, and they are lower than them in the power rankings. Power rankings. <laughs> current form. The Revs have only lost one game. Why aren't they in your power rankings? Because they're boring and all they do is draw. I know. You know they've lost two games. But even still, come on. Just son. give them some adult coloring books. That's what the Revs Yay, need. They're so good they can, at that. Yeah, they yeah, probably so. still miss the goal somehow. All right. Um, number three, I've got Colorado. And I've got Philadelphia. Colorado's looking good. They I mean, are looking good. They were good. my number three in, last in week fact, also. I've, I've got them a little higher than you do. You do. Why is Philly in your power rankings? Why is Philly? Well, if you look at Philadelphia... Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. They beat New York City FC, who you just got done saying is a good team, <laughs> 2 nothing, And then they drew with San Jose 1-1. They're a good team unless you're trying to make an argument for Philly. <laughs> I'm like, they're an awful team. <laughs> no, I, I, same thing. You know, maybe I do have them a little too high. I, I would agree with that. I, I could actually probably be happy swapping them with Portland at this mm, point. But, but I have them at number three. Sure, that's what it is. Number two for me is RSL. They're looking good, Simon. Baxter. Simon. <laughs> what? They, they lost one game. They beat Houston. <laughs> yes, aside from that, though. Yes, I understand. They lost to LA. Who else have yeah. they beaten aside yeah, they, from that? They beat Vancouver, they, Vancouver 1-0. Vancouver, who's not that good. Okay, who else? They beat Colorado, uh, they beat, who's they, good. They yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And they beat Sporting Kansas City 2-1. Okay. Yeah. I mean, their, their season as a whole. Their season crazy. as a whole is great. But if you even look at the last five games, it's usually what you judge a team off of is how they played the last five games. How you many do. games do you judge them off of the last one? It's, it's different for each team. Because it depends. It doesn't. It's not. You got to hold your teams to the same standards, no. Simon. Well, yeah, I in that way I do. Mm-hmm. And there's 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 a crazy logic in there, Baxter. Part of it though is who do they have playing? You know, Plata's out, and, and they're winning without Plata. They, no, they're not winning. They lost their first game without. One listen, game. they've lost their first game without Plata, and then the team that they beat is the Houston Dynamo, and they they almost drew that game as well. So I'm looking at more of a whole picture mm-hmm. than than just than just wins and losses. Okay, okay, I understand. Which is why I keep Colorado actually at number two because they're playing great right now. Sure, they, and uh, Jermaine Jones has been awesome. Yeah. Yes, they drew against Montreal, uh, but that was away at Montreal, and and they look good in the game. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock them down from uh, from last week. Okay. Who's your number one team, Simon? My number one team is still the LA Galaxy. Same for me as well. They they're very good at what they're doing right now. I think that one one draw with Sporting Kansas City was okay. I mean, but they looked still dominant. Gio DeSantos scoring goals. They haven't lost since March twelfth, so how can you argue against that? Exactly. They look very good. They've only won two out of their last five games, though, Simon. Even though they are undefeated in those five games, so I don't but know. If they're worthy of the of playing good teams. Four one against Houston. No, they beat Houston. Two. Oh, but, they beat our. Look at the score line: four to one, and that one goal Houston <laughs> got was Because those teams even... are not good, Simon. That's why. <laughs> yes, but you know what they did? They killed them, Baxter. RSL mm. still struggled against Houston. Okay. See, whole pick. Picture. Sure. Whole picture. Sure. Who do you have? LA is well. Okay, so shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row we've had LA. 
Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, though, we've kind of agreed on almost all of our power rankings for number one, at least, for the most part. You were in Orlando at number one a couple of weeks ago. I did. They were. They, that's when they were really hot. Um, mm. That was before the Kyle Laren injury. And then he went down and, and then... haven't looked too good. Nope, not at all. All right, last part of the show. What is your I Believe segment this week? Mine deals with the NWSL. It was oh. about this time last year, Baxter, on yep. Two Up Front, that I had predicted that, uh, well, that I believed MLS would finish with its highest average attendance ever. Mm-hmm. And it did that last year. I had said it would be over 20,000. It was actually over 21,000. Uh, with the Orlando Pride getting as many people as they are to their games, Portland always getting a good number to their games. Uh, even Houston's been doing well with the number of people that they've been getting to their games. Agreed. I believe that we will see a record number of attendance by the end of the NWSL season. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, no, I think that would be that would be great, honestly, to see. I mean, you talk about, I know Orlando kind of skewed this, the standings sure. a little bit, but still. Get more people like that out to games, though. That would be awesome. And hey, if it's if it's one team skewing the numbers... Look at what we saw in, in uh, MLS. There was there was a while there where it was Toronto uh, making the numbers go up. Then it was Seattle. Then it was Vancouver. Then it was Portland. Well, what actually ended up happening is all these teams started pulling up the attendance numbers yep. because more and more people started to go to more and more games. I think we'll see the same thing in the NWSL, and hopefully we see a team like Seattle not being able to stay at the Star Complex anymore because it's too small. I would love to see that. That would be fantastic. All right, and uh, my I believe is I believe that Houston Dash forward Rachel Daly is going to be the NWSL Rookie of the Year this year. Cannot disagree with that. She is a fantastic player. Go and check out the Houston Dash. Go watch Rachel Daly. She was a boss in college. And we it's actually, really good so far. We, uh, we, we had her on the show earlier this year. You we can, did. You can still listen to that interview on our webpage. She which was on is, last week, actually, yeah. Right, and which is uh, twoupfront.wix.com backslash twoupfrontsoccer. It's, I'm sorry, twoupfrontsoccer.wix.com backslash twoupfrontsoccer. That webpage, by the way, will be changing very soon. Yes. Again, with the sponsorship money that we got. We're investing it all back into the show, Woo! folks. So we'll be getting a, uh, a proper domain name. Yes, a proper domain name. Special thanks to everybody that came on the show today. Bethlehem Steel FC defender and captain Ryan Richter and Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly as well. You can catch those interviews as well, as we mentioned, on demand later on our Spreaker page and on social media as well. Remember, Fridays, 2 to 5 Eastern on Sports Radio America, sportsradioamerica.com, and on the TuneIn app, 2 to 5 Eastern. Catch the latest show there. You can also get us on demand anytime that you want to listen to us on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com as well. Of course, you can always find us on Facebook, 2 Up Front. On Twitter, we are at 2 Up Front Soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I am at Simon Provan. Yes, indeed. He is Simon Provan. I am Baxter Colburn. We might not necessarily agree on our power rankings, but we still love each other. Thanks so much for tuning in. With our manager being the one above, we are 2 Up Front. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Me, 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 but also you. 
the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.